Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good afternoon and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. I'm Eileen Gaffin, your host of Reputation and Influence. We're a show that explores how women business leaders built their reputation, resilience, and resources to become influential leaders. Our topic today is actually a story, a story of tragedy to triumph. And our leading lady is Leah Davis, who started a worldwide movement of kindness. And boy, do we need more kindness. It's my pleasure to say good afternoon to Leah and welcome you. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you're here, um, and you have quite a story to tell. Um, to briefly introduce you to our listeners, you are a marketing professional for 20 years, and you told me that you <laughs> consider yourself an eternal optimist, and that optimism was put to the test several years ago. So take us back to 2017 and describe what your life and your family was like five years ago. Absolutely. Well, in 2017, I had been married for about five years. I had a full-time career at an agency here in San Diego called Civilian, and we focus on um, we focus on clients and, and really promote social good. And I had the um, really the privilege on, of working on several accounts that have affected my life um, in a very personal way, specifically through mental health. But at that point in time, I had, like I said, I had been married for five years. I had a daughter who was um, two at the time, born in 2014, and also we welcomed a son in 2016. They are Scarlett and Blake. So, uh, Scarlett was a toddler, you know, she's moving around, she's, um, you know, <laughs> really, we're really learning her, her ways and her personality, and along comes Blake, and he was <laughs> a giant bundle of, of excitement and fun. Scarlett is so funny, she was actually almost only five pounds when she was born, this petite thing, but that totally changed our world. And when Blake was born nearly a, a year and a half later, he was almost 10 pounds, but he had a personality to match, very gregarious, very fun-loving, and, um, you know, they were both a, a blessing, a, a blessing to have um, the two kids in our lives. Oh, it sounds like it. And so you had a busy uh, career <laughs> and an active family, and we moved to 4th of July, 2017, and you say everything changed. What happened in your life? Yeah, that was a big day. I feel like I divide um, my whole life um, before and after that time. Um, yeah, like you said, it was 4th of July. My family and I were just planning on having a 
fun picnic in the park, pushed the kids on the swings. We brought sandwiches and went to a neighborhood park down the street. And um, we're there for about an hour. Everything seemed pretty normal. And then we decided to pack it up. We were going to have a barbecue at my uh, parents' house and, uh, you know, roped up the kids, put them in the car, and something strange happened. Um, my husband was putting our daughter in the car seat on the far side of the car, and I put Blake in the car seat. Um, and my husband noticed that his head just dropped and just quickly hmm. looked at me and he said, is, is he breathing? And, I, you know, I thought, well, maybe he's tired, you know, maybe he needs mm-hmm. a nap. But I really was like examining him in the car seat, and he had, in fact, just stopped breathing. And so, of course, I rip him out of the car seat. My husband comes over. We're splashing water in his face. We have no idea what's going on. There was no sign ahead of that moment that there was something going on with him or something peculiar. We had been to all of his wellness checks. There was nothing on our radar in terms of his health. And Mm -hmm. we, uh, you know, it was this very surreal moment that my husband and I talk about because we kind of live in a very bustling suburban area and just minutes mm-hmm. before there were people playing at this park and at that moment of time in that moment of need there was no one there was no mm-hmm. one at the park there were no one on the street there were no neighbors about it was just complete seeming like isolation in this nightmare scenario so of course mm-hmm. we are screaming for help and I rip my son out of the car seat and I'm holding him and he really just went limp in my arm And, you know, we're at this park, which is just down the street. It's a neighborhood park. And, you know, to be honest, we didn't know the street name. So here we are trying to call for 911 and can't even identify the street that we're on, much less being in panic mode. So my husband identified a house that was across the the way that had their garage door open and went beating on Mm -hmm. their door. And we ended up barging into um, this a couple's house um they were strangers to us obviously and and they had no idea what was going on but could clearly see that we were in panic mode and they helped call 911 and the medics actually met us there and mm. those were probably the longest 5 minutes of our life but the medics came they were able to revive him um and our son Blake went off to um the hospital in an ambulance And uh, we ended up going to the local children's hospital where Mm -hmm. by the time we were there, things started to seem normal. He kind of was back to his normal, typical self. And we thought, wow, what the heck just happened? Right, like it's an episode that he experienced. Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. So, of course, Mm -hmm. from the hospital perspective, we have these professionals that are looking at it as, you know, could he have had an allergic reaction? Was he stung by a bee? You know, something simple like, you know, could there have been a blockage in his trachea? You know, all of these things that seemed relatively normal because it was an out-of-the-blue episode. Um, and we were almost ready to be released the following day when we underwent another exam that put him into crisis. And this time the medical professionals witnessed what was happening. And it was like a switch. It, it was the strangest condition for him that he could go from a, a very typical, normal, seemingly normal boy 
to just going into crisis and we're not knowing if he's going to oh, make it. Oh, yeah, that's and, so scary. Absolutely, absolutely. And we had no idea what to think of it. And so ultimately we were moved into the ICU and under evaluation and they came to find that he had a very rare heart and lung condition called pulmonary hypertension. And Hmm. they brought this to our attention and it was a don't Google it, outcomes are not good. Mm -hmm. And those words have haunted me ever since. They wanted us to obviously stay positive. We were going to assess what was going on, but they at least determined the root of the problem. And um, we knew that we needed to go in for additional tests. Uh, Fast forward, day four, he's in the hospital undergoing tests and um, ultimately had another um, crisis and was Hmm. put into a medically induced coma. So from there, we didn't know what our outcome was going to be. He was, and he ended up being on life support for 10 days. Ultimately, it kept in this medically induced coma for a month on a ventilator. And what's interesting is, of course, we have no idea what to make of this situation. We had, they assumed that he was born with this condition, but it never presented itself until he was 14 months. And... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in those moments, you just feel so helpless, so helpless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were lucky to have, you know, a family locally that could help with our daughter. And that was extremely supportive of our situation. And my company was extremely supportive of my situation. But, you know, everyone was asking, what, what can we do? What can we do? How can we help you? And, and we didn't have answers for that. And, you know, I got to tell you, when you feel like your child is not going to make it, um, you are praying to every God. (laughs) Right. My husband husband and I, uh, you know, both grew up Catholic, but we are very open to, uh, you know, various religious beliefs and spiritual differences. And we at the time actually brought in a spiritual leader and an energy healer who was actually attempting to ground us in gratitude and the focus of positive energy. And we had a social worker at the time that said, so many people want to help you, give them something to do. And so we came up with this idea. We are really trying to support Blake with the power of positive energy. And we just asked that our friends and our family show their support by going out and doing something good and sharing it with us and that we would tell Blake the impact that he was making in this world and how important he was. And I had a friend that at the time started a Facebook page that was called For Blake, and it was an overwhelming response of how many people were going out and doing good deeds and random acts of kindness and and sharing these things on this Facebook page. And we would just sit there with our son who, you know, is a toddler and hooked up to, you know, a thousand different machines, it seemed. And we would just Mm -hmm. hold his hand and read these stories and tell him, you know, how important he is. And Well, Leah, before you continue, um, because I want to hear more about the impact of these good deeds and, and these acts of kindness, 
And yeah. I have to take a quick moment to recognize one of our sponsors and partners, and then we're going to come right sure. back to hear Sounds your good. stories. <laughs> Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good and is working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a powerful force for good and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. Thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all of our sponsors and partners. And we're back to Reputation and Influence. I'm your host, Eileen Gaffin, and with us today is Leah Davis. And it's a great transition from Microsoft because they talk about um, technology being a powerful force for good, and Leah was just at the point in her family story of how technology and Facebook was helping to do good deeds and random acts of kindness that she could share with Blake while he was in the hospital. So let's pick up where we left off. Yes, absolutely. They were critical in fostering this wave of kindness. Um, So as I mentioned, a friend started this Facebook page and we had this growing amount of stories that were so beautiful and so positive and so hopeful at a time of complete despair. And those were the pieces that showed the, the level of of compassion and support that we needed at that time. And I was so grateful that we had channeled it in a way that we could really feel the love. And mm-hmm. um, it actually, it, at the time, it really felt like it was working because after Blake came off the ventilator and um, he, his body was getting the reprieve that it needed and he, we started seeing all of these positive signs of healing. And we ended up staying with him in the hospital for about three months and then ultimately returned home with him, which was a miracle, but also a very different reality. My husband and I came home with a, you know, we have our two-year-old daughter and we also have a medically fragile child um, that was followed by six different disciplines and had all sorts of therapies and was on a 24-hour infusion and managing life and work and and all of these pieces were a significant level of complication. <laughs> um, Sounds like and it. absolutely. And, but we did have this amazing support and this amazing movement that kind of had come out of it. And two other times, uh, Blake did go into the hospital because anytime he even had like a regular cold, there were concerns about how his body would react. And so we did a few shorter stays. But the tests and everything that we were undergoing were all really showing positive signs, and that was very hopeful. After about a year, it kind of felt like my husband and I were figuring it out. Um, mm-hmm. And it really did take that long, but it seemed like, okay, we can, we can do this. And it was then that I actually felt like I could – I could put myself first. I, I had been delaying a surgery for myself, um, and I needed to have a, a correction done with my hip, and there was no way to do that with <laughs> the situation at home. No, but we felt like we got to a place. 
daily caregiver yeah. mode. No. No, yeah. exactly. So we were at least confident that, you know, we felt like things were in a better place. I went through with the surgery. And then in early December the following year, I was um, not yet fully able to walk on crutches, and I was resting in my bed. And one morning, the door flew open, and it was my then three-year-old daughter who said, Mama, Daddy needs you. Blake, there's something wrong with Blake. And Mm. I, of course, did everything in my power to lift myself out of bed, get on my crutches, get down the hallway. And at that point in time, my husband already had Blake on the floor and was giving him rescue breaths. And Hmm. so again, out of the blue, it was 911 and getting emergency assistance there as quickly as possible. And um, they arrived and Again, we were kind of able to revive him, and by the time he got to the hospital, it was like he was normal again. It was the most mind-blowing <laughs> situation. Oh, my um, gosh. But we knew, there, we knew there was something, you know, seriously wrong. So at that point mm-hmm. in time, they were undergoing um, tests again, and they shared with us that not only had his condition worsened, but it was worse than it was a year and a half before when we were originally there. Mm -hmm. And we were blindsided by that information, thinking that we were on a good path. And Blake actually never left the hospital after that. We were told that we need to undergo a lung transplant, and that was going to be the only, only next step. Um, Mm -hmm. Our local children's hospital doesn't do lung transplants, and so they were looking to um, get us to Texas Children's Hospital, um, who was going to be awaiting us on the other end. And so we were medically flown to Texas Children's, where we left our daughter behind with my parents and my sister, and we knew nobody. We completely left our, our support system. We had to leave our jobs behind, and we just picked up and took Blake where he needed to be. And it was through the holidays um, where we underwent the transplant evaluation. And on January 2nd then of, of 2019, we got the news that he was unanimously accepted to the transplant registry, which was great news. Um, Mm -hmm. but that we had to undergo a procedure to make sure that he can survive until lungs become available to him. And so we spent the day talking with different doctors to decide which procedure we should move forward with, and it was going to be scheduled for 7 o'clock the next morning. We were feverishly trying to get our family to Texas to be there in support of everything that was going on. Yeah, you need Uh, to It was a very frantic time. My sister and my daughter had actually arrived the day before, and my husband's mom had arrived two days before. And so we were lucky to have some support. But heading into this big decision and this this, um, uh, really impossible decision of which procedure to have the following morning, um, we're going through all of the logistics, and Blake tells me my chest hurts. And I flagged down the nurse, I, and I let her know. I said, this is what he said the last time we went into crisis. 
and she alerted um, all of the medical professionals on the floor, and he passed away. Aww. And it was I'm so sorry. A horrific experience. Um, and you know, my husband and my sister were in the room, and we were rooting for him. And it was. I, I am so grateful that we were there for him, but it's just an awful thing, obviously, for any, anyone to experience. And, yeah. you know, we, the next day I'm realizing I now have this following of this beautiful community that has been supporting us along the way, and the story's over. It's over, you know? And, and they've been doing all these good deeds for Blake, and yeah. Yes. And we have seen the success and he's been doing so great. And so I really just thought that that was going to be the end. And as I shared the information of his passing, it was really like this entire community that had been built of love and support doubled down on their efforts to show their support for us and for Blake. And there were hundreds more stories pouring in and people doing acts of kindness um, in honor of Blake and to share his light with the world. And it ended up being this really powerful um, piece of our story to really balance the darkness that we were experiencing. And Mm -hmm. all of it, you know, originally just started with this Facebook page, but my company decided to step in and I had a group of people who decided to volunteer their time and move Um, what was happening on Facebook onto a website of our own, which is called forblake.org. And what a wonderful thing for them to do. That must have made you feel supported as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I have to say that the types of clients that I was lucky enough to work on in my time here really had an impact because uh, especially working in mental health and suicide prevention, I am, You know, I had spent years uh, trying to educate the community and bring awareness to things that are really important in this space, and it has really affected me personally, and I think has also been a part of how we have been able to cope with this situation. Um, But Yeah, so your colleagues created this website for Blake.org. And what can people find there if they go there today? Yes. Well, there is uh, what people tell me anyway is that it is so inspiring to see the good in the world, that there is a good deeds page where you can scroll through hundreds and hundreds of good deeds stories that people have done for people they know or complete strangers to lift them up and make this world a little bit better in Blake's honor. And what we have done is started to connect these good deed stories with the, a tracker that's on a map feature. And you can see that the good deeds have spread and touched thousands of lives across the nation and beyond. Um, and the stories are just phenomenal. You know, something that it doesn't have to be something that costs money. It can be something that is just giving of your time um, yeah, give us some examples of some of the um, of the acts of kindness that that people are doing on there. Absolutely. Um, so sometimes it's people who have chosen to give blood, or you know they are even 
their hair is long and they're deciding to cut it off. So they're deciding to cut and donate um, their long locks to, um, you know, sometimes children who are looking for hair. Um, it's something as simple as um, there was someone who was handing out flowers just to make someone's day and cleaning a mm-hmm. beach. Um, you know, there are people who choose to leave water or snacks out on their porch for deliveries that, you know, delivery people that are coming by and baking in the sun. Um, but we've had, you know, amazing stories of people buying other people's dinner or, um, you know, helping there. One story about a person who was helping this elderly woman find her car in the parking lot after she was carrying her groceries, you know, I mean, just that they were, they were in a hurry. They wanted to get out of there and they just saw this woman and had what we call a bleak moment. It was just that moment that, yes, I, should help this person or there's something that's within my power to do. Right. And so, um, but also, you know, seemingly silly, but amazing. We, it it all takes the shape of what people are interested in themselves. There's no Mm -hmm. like specific way to do it. You know, I, there was someone who sponsored a lizard at a zoo in Arizona for conservation efforts. And another person uh-huh. who sponsored a nest of turtle eggs in, in Borneo, um, you know, and others who have decided either that they don't have a business, um, but they wanted to promote their son's baseball team and contributed to their advertising with Blake's message. It was really That's touching. That's so lovely. So they're just, as you said, it's very personal and people can do with feels comfortable to them. And you've had stories from around the world now, not just in the United States. Yeah. Or North America. Exactly. Yes, it has. It has spread beyond our borders, which is amazing, um, and so touching, and so heartwarming. And you know, we had um, we had a um, company read um, an article that they came across with about Blake, and were inspired to do something their own. It was an outdoor company. Um, Delta Media, and they donated almost 50 billboards across the Southwest um, wow. to Blake's message and Blake's story because of all of the political turmoil and all of the chaos with COVID, and they just felt that the world needs this message right now and wanted to do their part. So they, we had 49 billboards across the Southwest, and another company partnered with them and took notes and actually got Blake's message to Times Square. So my family oh, and wonderful. I yes, flew to New York and soaked in the moments of our son's beautiful face and message on the side of a building in Times Square. It was unbelievable. So, Leah, what you've described is just growing and growing. That's what a movement is. It's an organic thing, and, and it catches on, and people want to do these good deeds and um, whether they're using hashtag for Blake or, you know, something like that. But as this has grown, do you have future plans for this movement? Yes, actually. I'm in the process of creating and formalizing a nonprofit. And 
the, the movement of kindness is really first and foremost. That is where we find our own joy and our satisfaction is seeing that people are bringing the kindness to the world. But I have encountered a fair amount of people over the last few years, some who can find a way to give back or be kind around every corner, and others that kind of struggle. That doesn't mean, you know, they're great people but can't figure out how to make it a good deed. And they're like, can I contribute to this movement? I want to be a part of it. I want to contribute. And so we are um, finalizing an official Good Deeds for Blake um, nonprofit so we can legally accept these funds and put the kindness back out into the world. That's good. Look what you've done for Blake and what everyone, what thousands of people have done. And, um, and I wish you much success. Um, if people would like to reach you, is the best thing to do or to contact the organization? Do they go to the website? Is that? Yes, forblake.org. Okay. And any other contact information you want to give out, or is it all there when you go to the page? Uh, no, well, there is contact information on the website, but people can also reach me through um, my my job at Civilian, it's Leah, L-E-A-H, at civilian.com. Um, and, yes, I mean, I, I just appreciate the overwhelming support and, um, you know, just the, the difference uh, everybody makes in fostering this wave of kindness. It really keeps Blake's light shining bright and keeps him relevant and keeps him present for us. Oh, and we all want to do that for Blake and to put more kindness in the world. Um, Leah, thank you so much for being our guest today. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. I appreciate you allowing me to share Blake's story. Well, that's our show for today. I want to thank Leah Davis for being our leading lady today, and a special thanks to all of our listeners, both in the United States and around the world, as we are an international show. After our show today, you can listen to Women Lead Radio on all subscription podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, any of your favorites. We are expanding quickly to a daily radio show and podcast. And for now, we'll be back again for another live Women Lead Radio show on Mondays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time. It's been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Remember, your reputation is our business. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.